1: Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Thanks for coming back again this week. And we're kind of doing a NASA thing, right, Seth?
2: Of course we are. That's yeah, why course. I have this suit on.
1: Yeah. Oh, is that why you have it on? Yes. I thought maybe because you heard there's going to be a blizzard.
2: Oh, no. I'm just like taking one large, giant step for One Tough Mother.
1: You're the best dude. Yes. you have always thinking of us. Um, Today, day, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, t- yeah. I looked at the news, and you know, mail manager Ma. She's right. All she's all over the weather. This is a woman, and this is the truth. And this, when I say, it, you know, I love her. She lives with me. She's the best. She's eighty-one. She cusses like a sailor. But let me tell you something else. She watches the weather non-stop on the TV non-stop we have like five TVs for her because I don't watch television every room weather 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 then she'll go did you hear what the weather is for tomorrow because she doesn't like really pay attention to what they're saying but as soon as I came down this morning she's down there and she had the TV on she's like 10 to 14 inches that's what we're getting
2: Looks like a storm's coming.
1: Looks like it's coming.
2: Mm-hmm. Ten
1: to fourteen engines, Seth. I'm done.
2: I'll come to your house and shovel.
1: Oh gosh, please! I am so done. I'm so done. I know. I thought
2: we were, I thought we got past it. You know, but winter's got one more little kick for us.
1: No, I don't want any more kicks from winter. Sorry. Do you do you do you have to shovel, or do I you have do. A, like a do you have a snow blower?
2: Uh, I tried I tried borrowing one, but when the snow gets too deep, it's almost harder to use a snowblower.
1: Oh no, no! Right now is the time that when there storms are happening like this, you have to go out every hour or every hour yep. and a half.
2: I just shovel because I'm an animal.
1: Oh wow, yeah. you're the man, dude! I'm strong. Yeah, I'm just well, powerful. Take off that spacesuit and do it then. Let's see you do that.
2: Not without my spacesuit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's How do I rocket have man. My space suit? Well, the next door rocket neighbor, man. Yeah, rocket man. The next door neighbor has um, an SUV. he Has like a four wheeler? Huh? No, four ATV. ATV. There you go. And um, has a plow in the front. Uh, so I just stand nice. there and look really very pathetic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't shovel. Y- oh. well, Why can't you just say, "Excuse
2: me, neighbor, can you please help me out"? No,
1: because I got a snowblower. My snowblower uh. kicks it. So mm-hmm. today's guest is again. We're going with the NASA theme. It's super exciting. I'm super excited that she's going to be on our show. I'm super excited that that she's here. And actually, cute story, her hubby contacted me. He's like, I listen to your show. I really like your podcast. One Tough Brother's the best. One Tough Brother's there. And Sorry about that. But Mm. hey, I got a really cool wife and I want to tell you about her. And she is super, super cool. So when we come back, you're going to be listening to a really cool interview with Douglas Bibby and waiting to hear what she can do. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Well, today's guest is super exciting for me, and she's an amazing tough mother, to say the very least. Douglas Bibby had her hands in the tech world For most of her career, even back when women in that industry were very far and few between, having a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. In 1985, Douglas was awarded the NASA Distinction for her work on the space program and has a USA technology patent to her name. Wow, this chick smart in her career she's commercialized a few technologies platforms for fortune 500 companies and more recently has been raising two kids which is i think is the hardest job in the world and co-founding a business a media business with her husband it's with great pleasure i welcome to the one tough mother show and seth Welpinger welcomes her too douglas bibby thank you very nice it's nice to be here yeah we're excited to have you
0: here I did listen to the uh, Dr. Anna Fisher uh, podcast last week, and it's kind of fun to have that link. You know, she's, it was quite exceptional to hear her story.
1: Yeah, you know, it was so crazy, Douglas, because it worked out perfectly. Like, she stepped in and then you stepped in, so I had this little NASA theme going on. <laughs> so I was excited, about, I'm really excited. And let's just real quick before we get into your interview, let me just say, she had a baby on Friday and went to work on Monday.
0: I, I heard that. I'm just blown away. I I I really do get it. I really
1: do. Yeah. yeah, we totally get it. Before we get into our show and before we get into our interview, I have to I have to give props where props are due. So I have to I have to make a shout out to your husband David and your business partner who mm-hmm. um actually was the one who reached out to me. He reached out to me and said, Hey, you got a really great show. I love listening to it. And you got to know about my wife. She's awesome. And I was like, Oh, really? Because I think that's the first guy that's ever done that. And he said, I'm a fan of women. Um, And he's just like, he just really was very complimentary to you and all the things you've done and how amazing you are and how smart you are and how you keep him in line. So I have to say to David, thank you for hooking us up. You're right. You're pretty amazing.
0: He's he's yeah he's he's one of my fans I, I I guess he is one of my fans.
1: Oh, that's he so- likes
0: having a technical wife. He he, he always finds it um, really fascinating when he when he can't figure out how to solve a particular problem or approach something. He says well, wait a minute, what's, what's the physics of why that happens? And he just thinks it's pretty cool that I can explain it to him.
1: Oh, that is, you know what, Douglas, I can't, I don't know how to work my remote because they have so much stuff hooked up to it. So maybe stop yeah. by my house when you get a chance <laughs> because it's really bad. Um, I have to go right off the top because even Seth said this. Tough brother Seth said this the minute I said her name is Douglas. Why? Why? How did that happen? Yes. Yeah.
0: I. Um. It's really funny. I. Um. So first of all, I had two aunts by that name. Believe it or not, they're you know much older aunts, and my mom adored these aunts. So you know, when when I was uh, coming along, uh, she decided, okay, if it's a girl. But the real backstory is that Stephen A. Douglas of the Lincoln Douglas debates. I don't know uh, who if if you, you know about the history or whatever. Um, But the Lincoln-Douglas debate, Stephen A. Douglas was one of our ancestors, Mm -hmm. and my great-great-aunt, I guess, really wanted to carry that name on as as her maiden name. You know, she couldn't do it as a maiden name, so she decided, okay, I'm going to name one of my children this. And she had five girls, and when the sixth child was there, ready to pop out, she said, this time I don't give a damn. If it's a girl girl or boy, I'm going to name it Douglas, and that was my aunt. Oh. And so, somehow, I am the one that uh, gets to carry that, that uh, privilege on.
1: That's um, really
0: cool, actually. Yeah. That's it's, a... it's been, I don't, I didn't, I've never really approved it. You know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, I mean, it really, I, it is something I have to manage all the time. When yeah. I'm When I'm, you know, meeting somebody, especially over the phone for the first time. But it, I'm sure it helped form my character. Um, you know, you just learn to live with it, though.
1: Yeah, I can, I can really, really see that, actually, that people be all the time. You have to be, oh, I'm the woman. I'm Douglas. I'm the one. Yeah, I can see Yeah, it. And, and to be honest with you, what happens
0: is, especially if you're doing work over a phone, you know, especially given the, the career that I went into, which was very technical, is if I didn't address the absurdity of my name right at the get-go, they, they would not be listening to what I was saying they'd be sitting in confusion too polite to say wait a minute is this like a, a guy with a high voice or <laughs> you know I really did have to develop a technique to kind of get that done so that we could move
1: on. Yeah, you you had to have an abbreviated story. Actually, that's why I got it out of the way on the show, because I know everybody out there is going, why Douglas? (laughs) And so I know that when we spoke, after I spoke to your husband and and you and I got in touch, and he told me about this cool technology that you invented for astronauts, you kind of sounded like, I don't know if if this is really that. It's cool. It's so, so cool. (laughs) Explain to us what your NASA distinction award award was for and what technology you developed
0: okay so um it was i mean i um i think you mentioned that um i the degree i got i was mechanical engineering right so i was a mechanical engineer and for my senior design project it thought it was really cool i live in connecticut and hamilton standard who was the company that developed the spacesuit, and also all the environmental control and life support for the space shuttle was, you know, near to where I worked or where I was going to school. And I did an internship for them, um, really designing a valve, I think, that could be serviced in space, you know. And it was like, wow, I get to work on space, you know. Mm-hmm. Here I am, this young, you know, mechanical engineer. And because of that internship, I, I ended up getting a job, you know, out of, out of school at Hamilton Standard. And one of the projects they gave me, was uh, to develop a power tool a concept power tool for uh, like a, a power driver uh, to work outside of the shuttle so to to do this in space in fact it was actually for specifically the Hubble telescope the Hubble telescope because a lot of people tend to know about the Hubble telescope now um, uh, it was the first telescope that was put into orbit that was actually designed to be repaired while it was in space. Oh, and cool. every fastener on the Hubble telescope was like a 7-8-inch seven, seven socket. And so that's what I was, you know, my job was to, to do this. But designing of, uh, like a motor, like a power screwdriver or driver in space, is a lot harder than it sounds. You know, it, it, every motor that you would normally use uh, needs air to cool it. And uh, uh, there's no air in space, so it would immediately burn up, you know, so that we had so many, there were a lot of real technical reasons why it was a a fairly complex project. But the thing that was really cool for me, because I was quite a young, uh, new employee, young engineer, is that I got to interview, you know, quite a few of the astronauts who had, had, you know, had left the shuttle to do repairs in what we call the payload bay, and what I discovered is that the, the, uh, here they are in the spacesuit, which is literally, you know, it's like the barrier between life and death. You know, they have these gloves, which are multiple layers. They have a spacesuit with a little fan going on in the inside, and uh, they cannot hear. There's no air. Sound doesn't travel in space. They also cannot feel. So they're having to do a piece of work. Out in the space show, you know, it's called the the, uh, the payload bay, and they can't hear, they can't feel, and their visual is not very good either. And so one of my requirements was to design around this problem. And while I was working on it, I discovered a new material, and it was it's a very bizarre material. A lot of people even today still don't know about it, but it's called piezoelectric polymer film, and it's literally like a one-millionth-of-an-inch piece of, plastic that's that's um uh that is it looks like a mylar you know those metal foil balloons
1: yes of course um
0: yeah so that that's what the material looks like but it is what's called piezoelectric and what's remarkable is that you could take a piece of this material you could stick it on the side of a, a foil balloon and that foil balloon will become a speaker it will vibrate at the frequency that you excite it, okay?
3: Wow. And
0: so you've got this floating thing, and the Valdi is coming out of this balloon, okay? Um, in addition, it does the reverse. So if you talk into the balloon, it acts like a microphone. And I all of a sudden had this, like, thought, like, wow, here we are working on this project, and one of our requirements is to design around this problem that they can't feel, they can't hear, whatever, And my thought at the time is, what if I solved the problem? What if I took this, like, magical material, put it in the glove, and now, and this is what I got the NASA distinction for, is astronauts could literally hear through their fingers. That's amazing. They literally hear through their touch. And that was a, a pretty major leap you know, for, for, uh, the project.
1: I would think, wow.
0: Yeah. It was fun. It was, it was so, really what happened, fun.
1: so there's a piece of it in their helmet. Like how, no, no,
0: in their thing, in their gloves, the, the, um, the, uh, the spacesuit gloves right. uh, are, are multiple layers because there are extremes of temperature when you're working, um, outside the shuttle, um, as well as it's, like, you know, it's, it's like a almost like a balloon, right? You, you're holding in air right. to 4 PSI. That is what keeps them breathing, right? Um, and so what we did, because it's such a thin, pliant material, we put it into the glove as one of the layers, but it was so thin, it didn't affect their ability to use their gloves. But it started to act like a contact microphone. And wow. so you, it, it basically is a layer that is acting like a microphone that's distributed throughout the glove. That's that's, that's basically how it works.
2: So they feel the vibrations, is it? And then they, yeah, they hear I mean, through the vibration.
0: If you if you like, for example, imagine you have a uh, like a, a a quick disconnect, and you're working through multiple layers of gloves, and you all of a sudden you know it clicks in in air or on you know on earth, you could hear that, right? Right. But now, imagine if you took a microphone and you touched it to the surface of what you were touching. Now they can hear the click. Oh, they can wow. go up to a – like cool, cooling, uh, cooling electronics I- in space is, is vital, right? And so they would always have these little pump packages where there are two pumps and they're going through this cooling. But you would go out into the payload bay of the shuttle and you wouldn't know. There would be no way you could know which pump was failed, Right. right you couldn't touch it i mean well well you could hear it right so now they would just touch the pump and they would know which one was working and you know whether there was a click going on or you know anything they touched they now could hear through that and is that's so that's incredible. what the nasa distinction was for <laughs> that
2: is incredible. that's incredible. amazing it was,
0: it, yeah it, was, it, it, it is it, it is it was it was a remarkable time oh, i mean God. i met when I was uh, doing this work, I met Bruce McCandless. Um, I, I would be fascinated to talk to Dr. Fisher because I think my, my uh, time doing this was after, you know, those early days for her. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, uh, but uh, Bruce McCandless was the first astronaut that actually left the space shuttle untethered with um, this, you know, people called it a jet pack, you know. Uh-huh. It was—it it actually was called the Man Maneuverability Unit, and it was these little air jets, you know, and he was the first guy that left that shuttle without having a tether on, right? And he was one of the guys that I interviewed. It, it, it Honestly, it was a, a pretty enchanting time, the, the people I met and, you know, the kind of work that I was doing back then. It was, it was really kind of fun.
1: That is so incre- incredible, and wow, yeah, I'm just in awe it, of it. it,
0: it and it, I think, it, it was fun. It was. It was really. Uh, it, it just was remarkable.
1: Yeah, because that I think that I think Anna was actually she was working down on the in at, at Kennedy. I think at that point, like eighty four ish, eighty five. Yeah, and I think
0: because I when I heard your podcast, I I looked at you know I I learned a little bit more about her. And um, I saw that there was an arm. I don't know if you remember, but yeah, there she was. was a, in,
1: yeah, she was in charge in, of that. And
0: she was responsible for managing, you know, how that arm. But she would be. I I don't know if she ever went what we call extravehicular. I don't. I didn't see that. But she was the one who actually controlled that arm as it would move stuff about the payload bay, which is the outside of the shuttle. It was like the, you know, it, it, its whole point is to move cargo and things, right? Right. And so I think that was one of her tasks. But it, it, it just was, um, I mean, I later worked on the space station. I literally was part of the team um, that, that uh, was developing the uh, environmental control and life support systems for the space station. And this was all before the space station was a reality. Wow. And so, you know, we would work on things called water recovery and management. Like how do you, how because to bring one pound of water up into space is like tens of thousands of dollars of cost. So you have to recover every single droplet of water and you have to decide, okay, I mean, this is, I don't know what you want to say on your, but you have urine, you have condensate, and you have wash water. And we did all these studies to figure out, okay, how do you get the water out of the urine and what do you use it for? Like which one of those do you recover and use for potable water? And which ones do you use for wash, and which ones do you use for electrolysis to create oxygen? And I mean, can you imagine i'm a twenty five year old young you know engineer, and um that was the that's what my life was about. you know it' was, it was so a really amazing. interesting time.
1: it's so, so amazing. And what about like the people around you were there were there other women involved in this? Were there other no, young girls?
0: no i I mean, so I was um, a bit of an anomaly, obviously, because, you know, back then, my, my engineering degree was in 1982, and I think, um, at the time, I think I was one of eight women um, out of 120 at the University of Connecticut. So, yeah, I was kind of, you know, a little unusual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there it, it, you know, so I was a bit unusual, but I... I think it kind of went with my name and I I never did anything by half measure. I'm not like a half measures kind of person. If I do it, I like go for it fully. And I think that, that has people get focused, you right. know, they, you know, has them get focused on like what's the task at hand rather than, you know, any other aspect of it. So, you know, I think that was um, part of my, sort of my winning strategy is I was always somebody who really, you know, Uh, you know, went for it completely. You
1: know, know? it's funny, too, because you think about it being 8 out of 120. So they're like, okay, okay, so Mac, today you're going to be working with Douglas. (laughs) I I know. know, he has no clue. (laughs) And then you walk. And and I've seen pictures. You are gorgeous. And you you still are. So I'm sure it was a win-win for them. Well, I have
0: to tell you a funny story, right? Because ultimately what happened, you know, because I worked for Hamilton Standard for five years. But, you know, the company that developed that magical technology. Well, because I liaised with them, they were down in Pennsylvania, and because I liaised with them about this whole project, and they also found it fascinating, ultimately, they hired a headhunter to find somebody who could serve as their technical sales manager. And ultimately, they recruited me, and I started working for them. So oh. you know, after five years of working in NASA, I, um, I uh, was recruited and uh, went down to Pennsylvania to work for that company. And that company is the one who sent me overseas to be the uh, managing director of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So that, that that whole, you know, my internship, I sometimes say to my my daughter, and my son, and, and their friends, that internship in college is basically giving me my whole life.
1: Yeah, It, you know? it was the map for your whole life, wasn't it? It was like the it, beginning it really point was. on the map, and then you just went yeah. from there.
0: Yeah, it really was. It was, it was kind of cool. But I have to tell you, you know, when I later worked in this field, because, you know, back then there weren't the cell phones and the Internet and blah, 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 blah. Right. At one point I had, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but at one point I had a, um, I had a call from uh, uh, Dr. Shirat Yarconi. Now, maybe to your ears, you immediately know whether that's a male or a female, but I did not know. No. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but it was Dr. Shirat Yarconi. And it wasn't a call, sorry, it was a fax. And they were trying to develop this really exciting ultrasonic transducer for something in the medical field. and And uh, Dr. Narconi was in israel and um, And uh, we were going back and forth with faxes, because remember, there's no internet. And uh, it became clear that this could be a very compelling you know development. Mm-hmm. So I scheduled a flight to go to Israel. And uh, we said to each other over the facts, "How will I, you know, recognize you or whatever?" I don't remember how it happened, right, right. but what was really funny is when I came off because they were they were liaising with Douglas, well, my maiden name at the time, who was the managing director of Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and I was liaising with Doctor Shirat Yarconi. We both were expecting a man, right? Yes. And so i I come off the plane to be greeted. And we're both looking for a man. It turns out she was a woman and I was so... That is amazing. <laughs> it was It was just one of those moments where I was hoisted by my own petard, I like, like to say, because here I was kind of giving my little prejudice, assuming that Dr. Yarconi, developing this ultrasonic transducer, was a man and, you know
1: it was kind of a funny thing. That is that's a, that is yeah. funny cuz I would have had I would have thought man when you said the name doctor yeah. and then you said it I would have thought of, especially back then for some reason yeah. I would have thought yeah. oh that's definitely a male male yeah. in that field. So yeah. now you're now you're like Tra- traveling the world, you're in Europe, you're in Africa. Was that just a, the coolest job too? Because you went from NASA, where you're like doing such intricate, crazy things that are like say, you know, you're really life. Like when you say that yeah, the, space, like the space, like the spacesuit, is like that is the difference between life and death for them. Yeah, it, it really was.
0: So, it was, know yeah, it was amazing. And the, you know, what happened was I worked for that company um, in Pennsylvania for. I mean, the, the things that we were, we got involved with were amazing. You know, this technology is quite special. I would work with uh, the U.S. Navy with towed array hydrophones that were 1.2 kilometers long, uh, the NSA developing these special microphones that look like a dot on the wall, wow. uh, to the Coleco Cabbage Patch dolls. That I don't know if you remember a phase when they had these dolls where if you clipped its cheek, it would respond to you. Yes. Well, that was the same technology. I worked with Coleco to do that. Oh, my God. You know, Holy um, cow. I worked with the producer of Fleetwood Mac who wanted to develop an early earthquake sensor. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was, uh, it truly was a, a, a magical uh, time to, to have this new technology. And people would call in you know, all the time to uh to say uh you know, to say, could your could your technology solve my problem? You know, that, right. that that's always how it would start.
1: Right. Can yeah. you do this? Can can it do this? Can it do Yeah that? and so
0: we would then engage. And I, I have to tell you, the whole thing about uh, uh being in Europe, you know, so I did this for I think I was eighty seven to ninety two I was down in Pennsylvania and then nineteen ninety two I was sent overseas to be managing director of the Europe Middle East and Africa. And uh, what was quite funny, you know, you had asked me before when we were speaking about what it was like being a woman. Yes. In a technical field. Okay. And I have to tell you that I think one of my uh, strengths is that, is, um, uh, is that I've, I've always somebody who really wanted to master the knowledge. And that would really give you, it, it just gives you power you know, especially when people are trying to seek to solve a problem and you have knowledge. And, but the thing would happen is as I became technical sales manager, I was based down in Pennsylvania, people would call in from around the world. And at one time, um, what, what would happen is people would call in and they would get put through to me and I would notice the hesitancy to engage with me because they heard a feminine voice, young right. voice, right? And it's like, oh, God, here goes, like, you I've know, what are they going to know about this technology?
1: Yeah. <laughs> the huh? secretary's on the line. Yeah,
0: yeah. So anyway, so I developed this, um, uh, it was, it was, you know, I just had to develop a strategy for dealing with it. And the way I dealt with it is if they would call and they would, I, could, I could sense the hesitancy, I would then ask them a question that was like 10 steps above, like, technically what most people would know. Right. So this guy calls in and he says, you know, look, I'm trying to develop this ultrasonic transducer for prostate sensors or something like that. And I could see that he's not wanting to engage. So I said, well, what's the minus 60 B fractional bandwidth that you're looking for? And they would think, oh, my goodness. You know, and they would just get into the conversation with me because they would be kindly, you know, taken aback. Right. Right. And I I I guess I got pretty good at this. And I sometimes wouldn't notice that it would happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so a little funny story is that we often would go to trade shows. So I guess this must have happened, and I didn't realize it. I just seamlessly got him to, you know, engage with me. And we went to this trade show in Chicago, and uh, all of a sudden this guy – and so we have our, you know, big stand and this technology, and people are coming up to us. And my boss, the president of the, the group, came up to me and said, hey, I have to introduce you to this guy. OK, and apparently the guy had called in to the bill, you know, to our to our company and the receptionist says that I'll give you to our technical sales manager, Douglas Bibby." Right. OK, or actually my maiden name. And uh, and I must have noticed the reticence and I engaged with him. So the guy came to the trade show and said, I want to meet Douglas Carahan, because if his secretary is that smart, how smart must he be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was just so It was just, you just, I mean, this is, and this is my advice, like sometimes because I was kind of unusual as a female in engineering is I would, I would just, I would just coach girls, you know, to not focus on, that it was a girl, or just be great, right? Just do a great job, just really know your stuff, right? Because it sorts itself out really quickly.
1: Yeah, knowledge Don't focus is power. on am I being Absolutely.
0: taken care of, or you know, blah blah blah. Just be smart,
1: yeah, you know, that and, is such um, good and advice. it would work. Yep, it's so great yeah. because knowledge is power, and when yeah. you get all tied up in the fact that oh, he treats me like this or he treats me like, that, or they treat me like this? Then then you're missing the bigger picture because you just went yeah. with it, you just kept going and finding your way, and it's yeah, an amazing you just develop story.
0: Techniques you develop techniques to deal with an issue. That's you know, awesome. yeah, it's it, it's it's fascinating. It's it's part of life. We all have these. You know, if a guy is short, he develops his little technique to deal with it. You know, right. we all have.
1: Issues, right, right. It's everybody um, has. Yes, everybody's broken in one way or another. It's just something. you have to figure it out. So, tell yeah. me about what you're doing now. So, you have a media business now with your husband.
0: Yeah, and we us. we. Um, so, what what the the bottom line is? It seems like a, a bizarre sort of leap. You know, is that I worked for this? You know, it was a. I guess it was like a two billion dollar company, and we were one sort of startup uh, division. But when you're an expat director, because they sent me overseas to, you know, have this role, you sort of are belong to them. Right. You know, you kind of belong to them. You know, you're well paid. Right. Um, you very, you know, very good compensation. You're traveling. You're business class the whole bit. But then I started having children, and. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, what I could see is that I didn't want somebody else to be bringing up my children. You know, I want to do that. So, literally, there came a point in my career, over, you know, based in the UK, I was there for 16 years, um, where uh, I was told, "Guess what? You're moving to Germany. Oh. <laughs> you and your little kids and your husband." <laughs> and my husband was not interested in moving to Germany, nor was I. Um, although it's a lovely place. And so at that point, I left. I launched a business in my background um, so that I had, you know, some control over my destiny. And uh, something kind of startling happened, and which happens to everyone, is that David's my husband David's father, passed away. Um, and it was sudden, and he was really beloved the whole bit. And we were sort of all in shock. And I, I just realized, you know, we're more than – in fact, my father had passed away when he was 59, and so we were sitting there with little kids. David's father had passed away. My father had passed away early. And we both thought, gosh, you know, we're more than half his age, you know, my, uh, and, and we're still thinking, oh, one day we'll, that will be when we're, we're arrived, you know, that kind right. of thing. So that was, I think, 2005. And we decided, you know what, this is really bizarre. I, this is like part of thinking outside the box. David's probably mostly at fault. And uh, he said, you know what, why don't we sell our business in, two, uh, in uh, three years, we, t- we take three years, sell our business, and then we will take our kids out of school, they'll be eight and ten, and we will travel full time for a year. Wow. At first, I thought, you're mad. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't right. envision it. But literally, pretty quickly, we decided, and we even told our employees, okay, that this is what we were going to do, and we even chose the date of our party. We said it was going to be July 4th, 2008. Now, obviously, in Britain, July 4th doesn't mean anything. But for us, it was going to be Independence Day, all right? And honest to God, Karen, three years later, on July 4th, 2008, we had a massive party. It was a fundraiser. It was called Rookstock. We raised money for a friend of mine that had passed away from breast cancer. And that was our going away party. And so what was really funny, and this has made the transition to us being, quote, unquote, in media, is uh, about 3 about 1 month before we were set to leave to so literally travel full time um David in his creative way said you know I really fancy a fantastic camera like I'm talking about a video camera right and he also knew that he just had this instinct that if we had like a TV camera with us that we would get access like you just wouldn't get if you're just a family traveling right, right? So uh, back then, there were four main TV channels in uh, the U.K., the three BBCs and Channel 4. He called Channel 4 one month before we left and said, fancy following a family doing a gap year. And they said yes. Wonderful. (laughs) They issued us with a camera and uh, instructions, training, the whole bit. And uh, that's what kind of got us started. And really, the truth is, I mean, I, it wasn't my sweet spot. You know, it's like, ah, no, I don't want this. Right. But it turned out to be his sweet spot. And uh, we uh, he ended up, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea, we, we did the year out. We came here. I ended up getting him introduced to uh, Connecticut Public Television. David was taken on board as a host of a show called All Things Considered. And we then did another podcast. Uh, Piece that was called All Things Considered on the road, and then last year it was 2016. We actually got an Emmy. Oh, that's
1: amazing! And so that amazing. was like an
0: you know kind of like an amazing little transition there. So
1: that's um, incredible! Yeah. So, congratulations! So who knows
0: NASA to media? I don't know. It's kind of a bizarre story.
1: <laughs> and now you're mom in it too. Now you're mom yeah, in mom it all in over it. the
0: place. I'm, well, my my two children. One has now gone to college. The other one will go to college this year. So yeah, so it's uh, so it's like, what's next? Is like reentry. You know, right. I've, I've started doing consulting for a fantastic business in lighting technology that is growing. You know, you know, they were 1.9 million, 3.4 million, and now they want to go national. And they've said, "Hey, help us figure out like what's our critical path? How do we make that sort of national leap?" Um, so I'm I'm currently sort of helping them out, but um, my interest, I want to now do that. You know, reentry. Really you know, I, I right. my, my, um, that's kind of where I'm headed right now. I, I've said to uh, a number of people that I'm a little bit like Nathan Hale. I have but one life to live to, grow another big company and that's what I want to do next. <laughs> that is that's so my, awesome. That's my next my next step.
1: Well, you are definitely, definitely an amazing, amazing tough mother and I'm, I'm just like, I'm A, honored to be your friend now that you can text me any crazy stuff you want all night long. I love it. You texted me last <laughs> night and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah because we run sort of the same level of what we're doing and yeah. I'm, I'm just really proud of the fact that that you just went out there and kicked it. I mean, you went out there and just did the things that you wanted to do. And I think it's an amazing, you're an amazing, amazing woman. And I thank David for, for connecting us. So, I will tell him that. Oh, I'll please. tell him that. And um, I know that things are coming up for you. And I want to say best of luck and, and congratulations at everything that you're doing. When you're in town here... We want you here. We want to have a glass of wine with you. You've got crazy cool stories. I definitely would do that. I love this. I definitely would do that. So thank you, Douglas. Thank you so much for being on the One Tough Mother Show. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you and everything that you've done to better and to further women in technology.
0: Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Seth.
2: Thank you.
1: It's and, great. yeah, please again, touch back with us. And is there somewhere that like, if anybody wants to contact you, like where are you on any social media?
0: Um, am I, that's a fascinating story. I mean, David, David's
1: now launched Connecticut means business. Oh, do that. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's the full, you know, Connecticut means business. He's, he's doing feature little mini feature stories on Connecticut at work. I, I'm, I'm sort of involved with that in the background. um, uh, other than my name or my LinkedIn, I mean, my LinkedIn is M Douglas Bibby, B I B B E Y. Um, I'm not because I haven't launched an initiative yet. Um, I uh, you would have to get me via my LinkedIn.
1: Okay, well, keep us updated when you do, and we'll talk in the meantime. And uh, best of luck with everything. Very cool Alrighty. stuff. Take care,
0: guys. Have Thank a you wonderful, so much.
1: wonderful day. Thank you. All right. Bye, bye for bye. now.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back with and Headlines. Tech Brother Seth. Mm. Okay.
2: Um, this is very interesting. Uh, the Trump administration wants to overhaul the longstanding food stamp program, replacing it with a box of canned goods that has likened it to Blue Apron, a high-end meal kit service. I think I might have talked about these services in the past because I've used some of them, and I think like Hello Fresh, Top Chef—they're really good. I've used Blue Apron too.
1: Really, I haven't never used any of them. Yeah, well,
2: you're you're a different kind of person, but they're they're excellent, really. I mean, and it, not only is it, uh is the food great, it also gives you some tips and tricks on what to you know what what flavor profiles go together, things like that. But we're not doing a commercial for that. But just saying, it's, this is interesting that they mentioned Blue Apron. Um, Director of the Office of Management and Budget, uh, Mick Mulvaney, explained that part of the food stamp recipient's benefits would come in a Blue Apron-type program where you actually receive the food instead of receive the cash. The proposal is called America's Harvest Box. It would reportedly contain homegrown products sourced from American farmers and producers. Shelf-stable milk, juice, grains, cereals, pasta, peanut butter, beans, canned meat, poultry, or fish. Canned fruit and vegetables are among the items included in the box. Basically, it looks like they're covering all the bases. Um, the box would be worth approximately half of the recipient's monthly benefit. The rest of it they'd get the normal way with cards that have a value. So basically they're just replacing half of the food stamp program with food.
1: Hey maybe our sponsor could get involved. American Cobalt Aquafarms?
2: Absolutely. They have that
1: Arapaima that sea bass or it's yeah, it's Peruvian sea bass. Maybe they could like help give them fish or you could do
2: like a ch- charitable aspect to Aquafarms. Uh, aqua <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think so, but good track.
2: Okay, let's move on. Um so, actually, if they, if they go through with this and You know, I think it's not bad if, if it's actually quality food. If no,
1: I think it's a great idea, actually. It'll
2: save uh, the government uh, $130 billion over 10 years. Lower government costs because it, it could buy the products at wholesale prices. It actually makes a lot of sense. If people need food, give them food.
1: Yeah, you know what? Uh, okay. I, food stamps, I think there's a lot of like uh, things that go on with food Cicanery? stamps. Yeah, yes. yeah, Yeah. So, I think it's a great idea. They're just going to take the food and sell it anyway
2: of course there's always critics to everything uh some question to the extent the savings of the government others worried that families would lose um lose something and what choosing what items they receive particularly important for those suffering say from nut allergies uh you know i think you can maybe have different packages for different needs of course yeah Yeah, i don't know everybody's got always there's always a critic everyone's a critic um the proposal would affect those who are currently receive at least ninety dollars a month in food stamps, which is eighty one percent, or more than or more than sixteen million households. Wow. Wow. People don't realize how you know that people wow. out there need help, and that's how many people are on it. So, I could see there'd be a big savings as long as the as long as the food is quality and they make use of it. It seems it sounds like a good idea, but we never know what the red tape is and. The BS behind. Well, just behind understand
1: it. this: when I was when when I was really struggling with four little kids by myself, I was I got government cheese.
2: Government cheese.
1: Government cheese. Government peanut butter. Was it good? Actually, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, it's cheese. is it peanut, butter. It was peanut it was like, butter. How bad and can cheese. it be? Yeah, I mean, as long mean, as it's not old. Um, we also got milk. I mean, there were some things that we got that were even. Though, what are you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? And what you just gotta do. Yeah, and I think that if you're feeding kids and kids, I don't want a kid to go hungry. No. Absolutely not. I think this is a great. This could be great if they could do it. It also helps
2: be, stop people from taking advantage of the program.
1: Exactly. Yes.
2: Okay. Amazon uh, continues to take over the world. You know, I think what they were.
1: Country's going to be named Amazon.
2: Yeah, Amazon. Uh, now they want to be your banker.
1: Yeah.
2: Now Amazon wants to handle your checking account. The e giant is in talks with J.P. Morgan and other big banks to create a checking account-like product aimed at younger customers and those without bank accounts the Wall Street Journal reported. The newspaper citing anonymous sources said such a product could reduce the fees that Amazon pays to banks and payment processors now while yielding more data on customer incomes and spending habits, which is the bottom line to everything. They just want to know everything.
1: They will know everything. They already do. They really do because they have Alexa in your house
2: she's unplugged in my house. She's
1: she, in a box of mine. <laughs> she's in mine. She's she
2: plays acoustic in my house. Yeah, yeah, she's she's in a box in mine. No, we, we, we plug it in from time to time play music, but you know, I'm not worried about them listening to my conversations. Oh, I am. Yeah. I, I mean, have
1: very in-depth conversations.
2: With yourself. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this is interesting. Why some men go... I through... chose this for you. Oh, thanks, because I got a baby coming. A baby. You got your baby coming. Mm-hmm. Why some men go nuts after their wives give birth? New fathers traditionally experience a dip in testosterone with the birth of a child, according to research uh, published in September 2017, Journal Homo- Hormones and Behavior. Yes, I get it, every episode. Every uh, issue. <laughs> every of, issue, uh, hormones yeah. yes, and behavior? absolutely. After four kids, you yes. should. That dip makes evolutionary sense. Caring for a baby is emotionally challenging work that rewires the brain and body. The mechanics of this hormonal change, however, aren't understood. Some research exa- suggests that hormones like cortisol, which regulates the immune response, sync up and co-regulate between partners- becoming contagious in a way if mom's hormones are changing during postpartum a dad's might change their correlate hormones uh, Saxby said this is that's that's so a father is involved in taking care of the child across the animal kingdom the birth of a child alters the chemistry of a father's hormones to keep them from competing for other mates and provide for their children i'm not a freaking lion okay this is ridiculous you
1: are an animal you, have, you, are, you are an animal my friend <laughs> Look,
2: you know you have one you know I have several children it's just tiring and time consuming. And like your focus is elsewhere. That's the thing. So a couple has to work harder to maintain that connection. That's all. This is like either, there's always a science behind everything, but who really gives a, a you know A rat's crap. ass? Yeah, a yeah. rat's ass. Like whatever. Exactly. You know, you just you work hard they at,
1: they drill yeah. down on everything to the point of you're Great. like, yeah, who cares? My
2: cortisol, schmortisol I don't care. I, I got kids, <laughs> I, I love don't my wife. We love each other, we love our family, we do the best we can. Leave us alone with yeah. your science, hormones, <laughs> and behavior. I'm canceling my subscription. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Okay, uh, here we go. Second. What does this mean? Oh, another storm? Great. Um, God, by the time this comes out, the storm will have, have come and gone. Uh, well, because we're recording this no, a couple- tonight
1: it's tonight, actually. Tonight, tomorrow and the next day. I know,
2: but by the time people hear this show- They'll
1: hear it Thursday, and it's uh, still stormy. It's still stormy? Stormy weather. Uh,
2: starting tonight on a Tuesday and going through Thursday? They,
1: they say you know, showers. Like oh, man, I guess I won't, have to come,
2: I won't be able to come to work. Darn it.
1: Darn.
2: Okay, well, uh, weather forecasters predict a second winter storm will hit the northeastern United States later this week and as some region here without power from last week uh, which i was driving in the winter wind there's a there's a car in the parking lot of the y by my house it got hit by a tree it's still sitting there luckily i'm pretty sure nobody was in it at the time which is great it was really bad people are like it wasn't so bad i was driving picking kids kidding? something it was hit horrible. my car too i don't know what it was it didn't break anything but something was, boom i was driving this it was a little out of control. My daughter
1: doesn't have power yet.
2: Right, and some people are still yeah, without power. Yeah, like a
1: lot of people up by me, and remember, I- Guy works were, here, yeah. yeah the wire was power. hanging, and the
2: garbage truck just drove right through it and broke the wire. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot of craziness going on, so. Those of you like, thinking there was no storm, just pipe down. Yeah, you, you
1: yeah. weren't there.
2: Yeah. We were yeah. out
1: in the woods.
2: Right, so uh, some people are still without power. Uh, meteorologists went, issued a winter storm watch for parts of New England down to New York and New Jersey. The storm is expected to reach Long Island and New Jersey shorelines Wednesday evening and night, bringing heavy snow and rain.
1: Save that piece. I want to get that back to Ma. Because Ma. <laughs> she she doesn't have to watch the 10 Ma. to 14. We're having 10 to 14 inches.
2: Um, yeah. So you know, be careful out there. Don't travel unless you have to. Uh, my kids will probably have snow day, which will be good. If it's not too cold, maybe we'll go sledding. Yeah. If it gives up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Lets You're a not bit. going the first day. The yeah. second day, you yeah. might. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, that's Headlines and Headaches. Yeah. Um,
1: and I want to say something about our sponsor. Oh,
2: you know, okay. Go ahead. Is, you go first.
1: Yes, please. American Cobalt Aqua Farms, We thank you so much. You have a superfood loaded with omega-3, omega-6 protein and collagen, which is arapaima, better known as Peruvian sea bass. It's truly a chef's dream. I told you about my girlfriend who's been making it for us. I love it. She's a wonderful chef down in Atlantic City. Well, guess what? She won chef of the year.
2: Boom. So,
1: boom. I'm really happy for Drops her. Drops fish. Yeah. <laughs> So, American Cobalt Aquafarms takes pride in supplying healthy, nutritious food through responsible, sustainable, eco-friendly aquaculture. The quality of their fish is—it's unbelievable, unsurpassed. It's never been exposed to antibiotics, vaccinations, hormones, chemicals, heavy metals, uncontrollable environmental factors I'm, I'm tripping today but anyway american cobalt aqua farms i'm i'm sorry I'm you're stuck doing
2: fantastic being keep stuck it in up
1: my mouth fish. Um, we love your fish we love the um peruvian sea bass better known as or as known as arapaima. arapaima we arapaima we enjoy it and thank you for being our sponsor their number is 973-300-0485 they've got aquaculturists on staff 24 hours a day give them a buzz if you have any questions you can order seth can order this restaurant down the street can order the factory up the road can order anybody that wants these fish please Try call it. american cobalt aqua farms 973 300 0485 and seth is mail in no Why? I mean,
2: yes i just wanted to mention something from a previous show oh i'm sorry we talked about um black panther Oh, absolutely. I saw it.
1: Oh, God, you just had to redeem yourself. Okay.
2: Redeem myself? Because no. I
1: called you out for not seeing it.
2: I did see it, and okay. it was awesome. I mean, I, I went in there, there's so much hype around it, and it lived beyond, it went beyond the hype. Oh, That's really? how good it was. And people like get caught up in the fact that it's a Marvel movie. And, like, I don't like those kind of movies. This movie transcends it. It does it. you don't have to be connected to the stories of Marvel in the past or. You know, you don't have to be a, a superhero fan to really, this is how well done the movie is. Wow. I want to go I, see it now.
1: Actually, I understand.
2: Like I, my mom said, well, I don't like those kind of movies, but I like it. I told her something is wrong with you if you don't like it and you'll have to change your therapist. <laughs> that's how good it is. If you, if you go, if you go to this movie, and you don't You're like so good it to your mom. <laughs> I am. I'm just, I, I'm, that's how good the movie is. If you go to this movie and you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. That's, Actually, that's I my didn't professional go see it opinion.
1: It be, I didn't go see it when you said. Well, they're all connected. I'm thinking. Well, is it like walking in in the middle of a series?
2: No, it's not. It, it's not. It, 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 there are there are some connecting things, but it doesn't matter. It won't. It won't affect your ability to watch the movie, follow it, and enjoy it.
1: No, everybody I've heard just fantastic.
2: I just f- blown away how good it was. I'm
1: gonna go see it now. You should. I will. And I have to say, males in.
2: I'll let me put my male voice on. Email number one. That's not my that's not my male
1: that's voice. Your male voice? I don't male? Know. Is it your male? <laughs> <voice>? <laughs> my male voice. Very nice. Yes,
2: the battle of the sexes. No, I'm totally <laughs> not into that. Okay, email number one, dear one tough mother, I have a crazy problem that is becoming dangerous. I can't stay awake. The moment I sit down, no matter when or where, even behind the wheel, I start to nod off. I'm 38 years old, get plenty of sleep, and I've never had this problem before. My doctor tested my blood, and every everything appears normal. What do you think is going up? The email actually stopped because I think the person fell asleep Aww. while reading the email. It stopped on the word going. Um, I know I have the answer to this. I do. Because my dad, this used to happen to my father. Oh, really? Yes. You really do? You're being serious. I'm dead serious. All right, do it. It's sleep apnea. No that's doubt. That's what it is. 100%. Yep,
1: that's what I thought.
2: I mean, all right. I can't say 100% because I, I, I'm not a doctor, but my dad used to fall asleep mid-sentence with me. Now he wears that mask at night. So Because this person's sleeping, but they're not really sleeping. So people don't realize well, there's a difference between good sleep and bad sleep. And I'm talking about tossing and turning. This person doesn't realize that they're not getting enough oxygen or something. I'm not a doctor again. But my dad had this, he got the mask, and now he's normal. Is
1: sleep apnea that you're not getting enough oxygen? I believe so. Okay.
2: It's something where you just, put it this way, let me keep it very general. You're not getting quality sleep, which makes you tired throughout the day. This person didn't say they got tested by their doctor. You need to go to a sleep specialist and get tested there. They will tell you what's your, what's wrong with you and you get fitted for a mask You'll wear the sleep mask at night. I know a few people that wear that, and you'll be fine. That's my opinion. I mean, it could be something else, but it all point it all points to that, in my opinion.
1: I think that I think you're right because she's saying she's been tested. Blah 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 blah. Then go so, sleep. Then get yeah. sleep tested. Go to a sleep. Is there actually Specialist. sleep doctors? Yeah, or sleep specialists. Yes. Okay, yeah, then I, I agree with you 100. percent Do your homework. Yep, I do.
2: And uh, good luck, and be careful because it's scary for people to fall asleep behind the wheel. We don't want to, you know. And where do you live? So we can know not to get yeah, on the road. Not to be
1: on the road. No, actually, I feel bad for this. But if you That's sit down. terrible. You know, I know people that have, not. I don't know if it's sleep apnea, but the, the, the minute they sit down, my sister, if she sits down to watch a movie, two seconds later, she's out like a light. And she could be like all energy before that.
2: That could be just tired at the end of the day, too. Is that middle of the day or anytime? Anytime. And she might have sleep apnea, too.
1: All right. I'll tell her to check it out.
2: Fine. Keep us posting. I will. Email number two. Dear mother, help! help, I'm sick. My boyfriend's mother walked in on this yesterday. We're both in our 20s and have been dating for a few years with plans to marry as soon as we can afford our school loans and our own place, but right now it is tough. I hear you. Okay. He has the basement of her house and it is set up like an apartment, so locking the door to the house never crossed our minds. Living there allows us to save money and my boyfriend can help her out with uh, whatever she needs done around the house. I don't know what his mother was thinking just walking in, but I am sick and embarrassed and a little bit pissed about the situation. How can I ever face her? She told her son to let me know she's, that she's sorry, but she figured uh, since we were watching TV and never thought it would be an issue at 2.15 in the afternoon, that's why I'm mad. Come on. How do I face her again?
1: Yeah, that's, well, come on. It, you're going to face her. She's an adult. You're an adult. He's an adult. So a,
2: this is such, such a sign of immaturity. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude or um, disrespectful. It's an accident. She apologized. How do you think you got there? How do you think your boyfriend got there? She's had sex before, and she's given birth to a kid. And
1: I know you're embarrassed because it's his mom, but just let it go. It's yeah. Whatever, you know? She
2: apologized, say, you know, I'm sorry I put you... You should apologize, too. Like, sorry that we put you in that situation. She didn't pull up
1: a chair. She wasn't eating popcorn. She right. wasn't cheering anybody She, on. like, She, like, she apologized. And she took a quick
2: rinse. If she was mad about it, it's so not my house or any <laughs> that stuff, that'd be a different story. But she didn't take any uh, defensive approach to it. She was embarrassed and sorry herself, so... yeah. Get over it. I mean, come on. Every we we know you're together. You're living together. it Sounds like in the basement. Obviously, yeah. you're having sex. We all know that. So not a big deal. I'm shocked she didn't little, know
1: it was an afternoon delight. Whatever. It's a little oh. embarrassing. Maybe <laughs> she
2: you should make more noise. How about that? When you're having sex, be a little louder. Then she may hear it before she comes Don't in the door. Don't
1: take sensitive advice on anything. Just no? lock the door. That might help. Just lock the door. If she hears oh, like a bunch
2: of you know hot heavy sex, she might be oh okay. <laughs> so um yeah this you know you should just say hey look i'm sorry that you walked in on that you should apologize too Not you're right that she shouldn't have walked in but you know she she didn't mean anything by it it was was an accident
1: yeah forget it it's out of her head now don't even worry about it just let it go and i get to read this one i get to read. wait a
2: second and stop having sex in the daytime i dare you (laughs) yeah you wait until the lights until the sun goes down he's jealous yeah
1: (laughs) um dear tough brother like, oh, this is to me? You actually got a letter. When wow, I my this. first like, fan. Yep. I like your answers on the show and think you're funny. I don't think he's that funny. Thank you. But why are you on a show with women? And do you like it?
2: I'm on the show because no one else would do the show with Karen. So. True
1: story.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know, I uh, started as a producer with several hosts on the show and just started kind of chiming in. And for a women's empowerment show, you know, w- it's great to have a, a little bit, sometimes a little bit of a male point of view, because y- you want to have a little bit balance. And you know, sometimes women just assume what, what a guy's point of view would be or what they're thinking. And I think I add that without being disrespectful or, or you know, judging or anything, just giving opinion from a male point of view and my point of view.
1: Yeah, and so, and you love the guests. It's fun. We always have very very cool guests.
2: It's fun to be able to speak your mind and be able to answer things, you know, the way way you feel about it. And if you know, if we helped one person this whole time I've been here. That's great.
1: Right. That's how I feel yeah. about it, too. And again, a lot of the female guests will go, Wow, Seth's cute, or Seth has a cute voice.
2: Oh, God. Shut up.
1: All right. Just trying to make you feel better. I'm
2: good. I'm sure I feel said. I feel like $100. Let's go.
1: I'm <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> again, thank you, American Cobalt Aquafarms, with your Arapaima, which is sea, Peruvian sea bass. It's delicious. It's delightful. We love it. And you can find it again at AmericanCobaltAquafarms.com or at 973. 300, and I'm looking for the phone number. I'm so sorry. What did I do with it? 973 300 0485, American Cobalt And today, Mother says, is, and I just lost it. Hold on one minute. Oh, no. The greatest mistake you can make in life is to continually fear making one. And if you think about That's classic. Douglas and all the stuff she had to do and the crazy stuff that she was asked to do, the con- the greatest mistake you can make in life is to continually fear making one. Thanks, guys, for listening again. And next week, another crazy, cool guest. And we'll talk to you then.